Good morning, Grace Point. How's everyone doing today? Great, wonderful, awesome. Oh, man, this row is good. Well, I have the privilege of being able to read the scripture this morning. Um, of course, the text will be coming from the ESV. So if you have the King James, you're fine, okay? Uh, I want to read this. It's going to be coming from Romans 12, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. A very familiar passage. Here it goes. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to you. Good to be with you. Good to be at my summer home, my home away from home. Always good to be at Grace Point. Nice to have my wife Liz here today and our friend Bob. Bob is a uh, uh, happened to be in New England and stayed the night with us and will return to his home state of Pennsylvania pretty directly after uh, church today. I really appreciate Grace Point. Uh, you guys have a, done a terrific job with your facility here. When I came last summer, it was my first time to see this room, and today it was our first time to see the kids' area. Boy, it's really nice. You guys did a great job with that that area down there. And uh, Ryan and others on the worship team, I really appreciate uh, the thoughtfulness of the worship service, the prayers and the singing and the arrangements, and uh, appreciate your leadership very much. All right, let me see if I can provide an entrance into our text today by asking you, how many decisions do you make a day? Yeah, many. (laughs) Do you make 70 Do you make a hundred? Most of them are trivial, of course, hard to even count, you know, should I put on my right sock or my left sock? I mean, I suppose those are decisions. But some are not trivial. Uh, Some can be absolutely excruciating. Uh, But some, and then many uh, decisions are sort of in the middle. You know, should I spend the money to go uh, to the North Shore Music Theater to see that musical. I don't know, it's pretty expensive. I don't know, should I, should I do that or not? Is that a good thing to do or not? And we make decisions all the time. I mean, ordering at a restaurant can be paralyzing. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever felt indecisive at uh, ordering at a restaurant. Raise your hand if you can't decide if you've been indecisive. At <laughs> Sheena Iyengar wrote a book called The Art of Choosing, and uh, she launched her career when she was in grad school at Stanford, and uh, she's from a different culture, and she went to California, Stanford. She went into an upscale grocery store that had so many options. She was just overwhelmed. On the jelly and jam aisle, there were 300 (laughs) Uh, available, you know, options. And she thought, is this helpful? I just, I don't know what to buy. I don't know what to, to, you know, purchase. So she got an idea for an experiment. This was, this is how you can start your career if you're in psychology or (laughs) design an experiment. She, uh, she got permission. She set out a display table with 24 varieties of jam and then measured the sales 
Then I think the next week or, you know, after a period of time, she set on another display table with six varieties and measured the sales, which far outsold the other. The six display table option. And so she got into the, you know, the theory of decision-making and choosing, and she came up with the idea, and it was really revolutionary for business, that we're not promoting, we're not selling more by giving people thousands of options that used to be the common sense almost, but no, just a limited number of options. Uh, It's like the human psyche shuts down. We get jam fatigue so as I say, most of these decisions are trivial, but some aren't trivial. If, if you're a high school student, you know, should I go to college? Where should I go to college? If, you, uh, if you're out of college, you've offered a job, uh, you know, should I take it? It means moving out of the area. If you're retired, you know, is, is this the, the time to downsize? Should we, should we, you know, I mean, end of life decisions can absolutely be excruciating. And we need wisdom. And we say in our hearts, God, just show me your will. Just just tell me what to do and I'll do it. (laughs) Is guidance, is wisdom for decision-making, is it available? Or does he just sort of toss us out onto the, the ocean of life and say, well, have at it. Does he guide us? If you look at christianbook.com and if you type in God's will, how many many books will it show you? (laughs) 9,000. So this is a topic that, you know, it has a high cash value for us, a high felt need. I was uh, with the pastor of my church, which is North Shore Community Baptist Church, a few months ago. And I'm an elder at my church, but I'm currently sort of on sabbatical, kind of taking a break for a year or so. And I was talking to our pastor, and I said, Bobby, I don't know if it's God's will for me to take a break or not. I mean, I feel like I want a break, but if God would just show me what to do, I'll do it, theoretically. (laughs) Just show me what to do. So I'd like to talk with you about this, this issue of knowing God's will. And the title today and the, the way we'll approach it is Doing and Knowing. And the order is significant. Doing the will of God helps us, leads to knowing the will of God. And our text is Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And there you have it. It doesn't hurt to read the scripture again, does it? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is the doing part. Present your bodies holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that by testing, and here comes the the knowing, the discernment, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
Now, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, has laid out this text in a very logical way. Just sort of one thing leads to another. So let's just take it in the order that he gives it to us. Go ahead to the next slide. We have the motive for action. Then we have the action itself. The means by which we do the action. And then the result is the, the knowing of the will of God. If I, ha- if I see you... Um, singing and you don't have a hymn book. Do you guys know what a hymn book is? You get the concept, right? Yeah, it's a book with... <laughs> if I see you standing there and, you, and you, you, know, you, you don't know the words to it and you, you don't have... So I am motivated, are you with me, to walk forward and hand you, there's my action to give you a hymn book uh, by means of walking forward, I guess, and then you're able to sing. So we have the motive the action, the means, and the result. Okay, first of all, the the motive. And we have it right at the beginning of our text. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, in light of the mercies of God. This is chapter 12. And as you may know, the book of Romans takes a real hinge at this point. He's got all this doctrinal stuff, you know, election and predestination and adoption and all these things. And then it, in, right here, it, there's a hinge in the book and it becomes more practical. And so he sums up the whole first part. Therefore, in light of, and he's talking about all the stuff he's talked about in the first 11 chapters, in light of the mercies of God, it's a catch-all term for all of these great blessings. Election, salvation, forgiveness, peace with God, no condemnation, adoption, hope, the hope of resurrection, and all of it is mercy. It is grace, all of it. Ryan, I love the the church's motto or or, or the, the slogan, all, it's all of grace for all of life. And that's what he's saying here. In light of these mercies of God. Now look, we don't have time to review the whole you know, book of Romans up to this point. Let me just take one of these mercies, one of these graces that he's given us, just to sort of unpack just one of them. Let's take the mercy of election. You and I hear election... And we tend to problematize it. And, and I understand that. We tend to think, oh, election. So if God elects certain people to you know, become his children, does, what, does that, what does that mean for free will? Do we have free will? God just zaps us. And we tend to like, make like an intellectual problem. And I understand all that. But through the heart and the mind of the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit working through him, mercy, mercy. He elected us. You know the doctrine of election. It goes all the way back to, you know, to, the, to the Old Testament. The Lord said, the Lord God said, I am going to form for myself a chosen people, a special people, my beloved, and they will be a chandelier shining in the darkness, attracting the other nations and being a model, you know, of what I and I am going to choose this guy. Abram. First of all, you need a new name. Abraham. You remember the story? He had a son, Isaac. He had a son, two sons, Jacob. From Jacob, who got a new name, Israel. 
came the 12 tribes of Israel, and God formed a nation, his chosen people. It's a long history. It has its ups and downs, a lot of downs. You remember this story? And then we come up to the New Testament times, and he says, through these, this chosen people, I am sending the Messiah, my son, and I am widening out this chosen people, and I am grafting in you Gentiles. Most of us in this room are probably Gentiles. I'm grafting you in, and I'm making you my chosen people, you church, and I'm doing this out of my own love and my own sovereign decision, and it's all mercy. It's not like we did something to deserve it, right? In light of this, let an action flow out of it. But open up your heart to receive, to be reminded of the mercies of God. You know, it feels good to be chosen, right? I was chosen once. I remember it. I was in grade school. I remember we had music class. And... um, we had like, a, a, like an itinerant music teacher. She would go to this grade school in this class, and I think she came to our class like Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. And she came and she announced, um, we are forming a district choir. And we're gonna, I'm going to have auditions for the district choir. I really wanted to be in the district choir. Oh, I just wanted to be in it. And the way she did auditions was she had the entire class uh, sing. We were all singing together. If I remember right, it was, this land is your land, this land is my land. And we were all singing together. This land is your land, this land is my land. And she went around to each person, put her ear down, and she listened to us sing in California. And then we got done, and she went to the blackboard. You know what a blackboard is? You with me? It's a media device used for short-term capture of information. <laughs> and she went to the blackboard and she wrote down, she was going to take four from each class, two, two boys, two girls, and she wrote down, Kevin. She wrote down, Melinda. She wrote down, Someone else. And she wrote down, Jeffrey. That was the high water mark of my childhood right there. I was chosen. (laughs) I went to district choir. Now, where does my analogy, where does my story break down? I'm comparing this to God's choosing us. Where does it break down? Yeah, I auditioned, right? I earned it. Some of you say, no, no, it's a good analogy. It was all of grace. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, There was no auditioning for God in light of the mercies of God. It feels good to be chosen. And the honor of being chosen, the blessing of being chosen, you know, grows proportionately to the one choosing you and for the task to which you are chosen. And he said, I want you Welcome to my family. In light of the mercies of God, all right, here's the action then. And the next verse, next slide says, here's the action. Present your bodies. 
as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him. This is your spiritual worship, your daily life, your body, your physicality. It's your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. So what do we have here in terms of the action? We have positive, present your bodies. Now, go ahead back, if you can, yeah. Present your bodies, that's positive. Negative, do not be conformed to the world. And then positive again, be transformed. Present, present your bodies. I think it means literally the members of your body. It's probably bigger than that. It probably includes your time and your money and all of that. But, but have you ever done this? Have you ever presented your body? Take my eyes, take my brain, take my hands. A living sacrifice, interesting image, living sacrifice. You've got an altar, you put an animal on the altar, the, the, the animal is you know, slain, uh, it's dead. It's, but you're a living sacrifice. Get, get up on the altar, and then get off that altar, and live a life of worship. I like the song we sang. Take my life, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful, Lord, for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite, a little bit, not a mite what I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. Present your body. Negative. Don't be conformed to the world. What's that mean? Well, the world means sort of the world system, the value system of the world. You might say the world view. Uh, John, First uh, John, talks about the world. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride that comes from having things and accumulating things and showing off things, materialism. Don't be conformed to the world's ways. If you want to, be, if you want to see like a prime example of the world, look at advertising. They capitalize the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And if we're not careful, we can be conformed to that. We can be squeezed into that mold. The, the, the word conformed is to squish into a mold like click into a mold. Don't be shaped like the world. Don't be boxed in by the world. You know, the world says you are your essence. The real you is what you drive, 
where you dine, how you dress, how you decorate. And God says, don't be conformed to this world, is the negative command. Positive, but be transformed. Interesting command, it's, it's passive. You know, someone else is doing the transformation, and yet we are commanded it's interesting, isn't it? I guess we're commanded to allow it to happen. Allow yourself to be transformed. I guess the idea is I yield to God's transforming power. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. Don't resist the spirit, but, but yield to the spirit. Work with the spirit. Transformation. And so I ask you again, have you ever done this? Have you ever presented your body? Somebody says, yeah, yeah. When I was in high school, I was like at camp, and we, great, excellent. You ought to do it again. Somebody says, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. I don't know if I've ever present your bodies as living sacrifices. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we present to you our hands We present to you our our tongues, our speech. We give you our eyes. We give you our, our gifting. Some are good at music. Some are good at math. We give you our time. We give you our sexuality our money, our careers. We present to you our hearts. Help us to live as living sacrifices. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got a motive, mercies of God. We have an action And then he goes into a little more detail on the means by which we carry out this action. And we see it there in verse 2, which is coming right up. Next slide. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. How? By means of a renewed mind, a new way of look, a new perspective, a new world view by a renewed mind. Now, how do we... How do we participate in that? How do we get this renewed mind? Well, through the word of God. Are you in a, in a, in a habit, a daily practice of renewing your mind with the word of God? Do you, do you read the Bible? Do you listen to the Bible? Through, we need a renewed mind. We, here's the world's value system, what you decorate, how you dress. You know, all the, all the, here's God's value system. We need, we need some ammunition. We need some, some, uh, some uh, spiritual warfare here, a renewed mind. How about through prayer? God renews our minds through speaking to him, aligning our hearts, listening to him, receiving. Do you ever pray the scripture back to God? It's an excellent way. One of the benefits is it renews your mind. You start capturing, you know, what, what matters to God. How about through music? 
Music is excellent at renewing the mind. It has that emotive you know, element to it, not just cognitive. It, it goes down deep. What kind of music do you put into your mind? How about through Christian friendships? For me, that's actually one of the primary ways God renews my mind. It's through the people I hang out with. They're just so edifying, and they just, I, they, you know, iron sharpening iron, and they, they rub off with me. Can I tell you just a brief story? About a year ago, I had a, my, my wife Liz and I had a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we were on a cruise, a northern European cruise. It was fantastic, you guys. We saw uh, Copenhagen and uh, Liverpool and St. Petersburg. I mean, it was so great. Part of the reason it was so great is because we were with two other couples, dear friends. We've been friends since high school. And uh, one of the couples, a fellow, my, my good friend, is J.D. He uh, goes by J.D. His name's James Dale. He goes by J.D. And J.D., I mean, he's an evangelist. I'm telling you, he, uh, we're on vacation. We're on this big cruise ship, and he's sharing the gospel with people. He was doing it in such a natural, uh, it wasn't pushy. It was just friendly. It was just so natural. It was very inspiring for me. Well, one time, uh, we went on a walking tour of a city. I think it was Copenhagen, if I remember right. And J.D. would always carry a gospel track with him, you know, a little pamphlet that explains the gospel. And we'd go on the walking tour, and then he would engage the the tour guide and befriend the person, and then he'd give him a gospel track. Well, this day, it was kind of rainy and drizzly, you know, northern Europe, and we didn't know what to wear. Should I wear a raincoat? And and we were late getting off the boat. And, okay, we took our walking tour and got to the end of it. He reaches in for his gospel track, he had forgotten them. And he was like, oh, I can't believe I've got But then he talked to the tour guide, and, you know, it was fine. Okay, then we were going back to the boat, and he was just, just lamenting, oh, I can't believe I forgot my gospel track. And, uh, you know, it was raining and didn't know what to wear. And then he said, almost half to himself, he said, oh, I am so worldly-minded. Now, please don't get the wrong idea about J.D. He's not a fanatic. He's not weird and everything. But worldly-minded. Because hmm. he was worried about the rain. And we're on vacation. And all of that's great. He loved it. He enjoyed it as a gift from God. But there's more going on in this world. Are you with me? There's an unseen world. There are spiritual realities. I try to remind myself of this when I preach. You know, we're driving here to preach, and I'm trying, and it's, you know, we get here early, and I get my microphone, and get, is the PowerPoint all right? And all that's great, and that's necessary. There's more going on. There's the presence of God. There is spiritual life. There is, there's a battle. And we need to renew our minds. What did C.S. Lewis say? You have never met a mere mortal. Every person you encounter at Stop and Shop, on the elliptical machine, in church, every person you encounter is going to live somewhere forever. That's a different mind. 
but it is the means by which we are transformed, right? A renewed mind through the word, music, prayer. For me, spiritual friendships. And then finally, let's move on to the end here. The last, the the result, the end product here is what? We see it at the end of our text. So that, with the result that, by testing, you may discern the will of God. This good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, what's the idea here? You know, motivated by the mercies of God, we present our bodies aided by a renewed mind, and the result is, how does it lead to this result? I think the idea is, when you are walking with God, when you are doing the will of God, doing and knowing, when your mind is being renewed, when you're seeing the world through God's eyes, Jesus' eyes, this gives us wisdom, discernment, for decision-making. I think that is the trail here. I think that's what God is communicating to us. Maybe, maybe an example would help. Let's take one of the big decisions. Marriage. Marriage. Okay, it's one of the big. Should I get married? Some of you say, that's a problem I would like to have. But, uh, so, but should I get married? Okay, let's just follow the, 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 the trail. Motivated by the mercies of God. He redeemed me. He loves me. He made me alive by his spirit. It's all of grace. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, motivated by the mercies of God, I give you my body, my eyes, my time, my sexuality, my conversation. I belong to you. Because by means of a renewed mind, I know that the Bible teaches I am bought with a price. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that your word teaches marriage is a covenant. It is a picture of Christ and the church. It is exclusive. That's not the message you'll get from the world. I'm not conformed to the world's view of marriage. I am renewing my mind with your picture of marriage. I reject the world's thinking. In the world, marriage is disposable. It's not permanent. And your mind is being transformed. And the result? Aha. I think I see that marrying such and such a person, I don't think that would be in the will of God. I don't think this person would help me to live out this, this covenantal picture of Christ in the church. I think that we would kind of be, you know, going two different directions, uh, unequally yoked together. I don't think that person will help me to live this life of gratitude as a living sacrifice. I think I'm learning something. I think I'm, I'm knowing the will of God. I'm not positive, but I think he's guiding me. Or, positively, aha, yes. This is perfect. With this person, we can enjoy God's blessings of marriage. We can display his, you know, the, the meaning, the purpose of marriage. I think, that he is, I think this is in God's will. I think this is his perfect and acceptable, and this is good will of God. And so what is our text saying? 
I don't think it's offering an ironclad guaranteed guidance for all of the little, you know, what should I order at the restaurant? I don't think we can stretch the text to say that, but I think it is saying, do the will of God. And it will help you know the will of God. Motivated by mercy. Present your body. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed with your mind. (sighs) Discernment. This is the will of God. Now the scripture says lots more about knowing the will of God. And there's some real practical stuff like uh, using counselors and uh, observing your circumstances and your own gifting. And all of that is excellent. But I think this is maybe foundational to knowing the will of God. Do it! (laughs) And it will lead to knowing it, discerning the will of God. May God help you, this community, Grace Point, a community of disciples, may he help you to be motivated by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And may he help you as a community as well as individuals. May he help you discern the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. Heavenly Father, we yield to you and pray for your guidance, enlightenment, your leadership so that we can know your will and do it. In Jesus' name, amen.